0: evening and welcome to the pompey politics podcast i'm ian tiny morris and i'm simon Sandspring.
1: good evening everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the pompey politics podcast well tonight's show is a it's a tapas of different topics we are covering the national the international and the local as you would expect from portsmouth's finest political podcast possibly hampshire's i think because i'm not sure there's another one in hampshire but anyway and we've got a we've got a guest tonight so simon welcome and uh who have we got so we are indeed um
0: rejoined uh, by um thankfully a uh, frequent guest on the show uh, councillor george madrick for of, of Pauls Grove fame good evening george
2: good evening gentlemen how are we
0: fine thank oh, you very much that's... Good, I, good. I didn't quite get blown away when I went for a walk earlier on, but but nearly, but it's not too bad. Um, so um, to those uh, not familiar, um, George is uh, one of three Portsmouth Independence Party councillors in the ward of Paulsgrove, Um and he's up for uh, re-election in May this year. Um, and he's also a, a small business owner. He owns a, a restaurant in Drayton.
2: As you can probably oh, no. tell, because I'm wearing a... Um... Wearing a chef's uniform as we speak in the cellar of the restaurant so i've got some um brandy on hand just in case i need it <laughs> oh, okay
1: <laughs> all right Marvelous. well Marvelous. and for any of our listeners who have not tried the letter in uh, in drayton i can heartily recommend it and in terms of a sunday lunch i think probably the finest roast potatoes serve outside of my own house so uh so uh, yeah, if you haven't been before, get yourself down there.
0: You, you I didn't think you were going to get that caveat in at the end there, and I thought you were going to be in serious trouble. <laughs> um, no,
1: no, 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 man knows when he's well looked after. Okay,
0: right. Okay, so that my sister doesn't have to beat Ian up. Um, so um, we'll um, we'll crack on with our with our questions. So thanks, George. So George, the 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 in the controversy this week it, it it felt like the real story kind of kind of got lost can you tell us what happened and how is the the business owner concerned
2: yeah so for those people i guess that are not watching um sorry that are watching that don't know what happened um i made a comment on a random facebook group and all hell broke loose when the news decided to um release said statement um as a as a front page news article and obviously the the, the, the story really should have been about the fact that, that there's a group of youths are going around and not just terrorising this business, but terrorising a number of businesses and a number of people um, over the city um, in all different wards um, and stealing things and threatening people and holding people up at knife point, and It's the same people. And the video obviously surfaced at the weekend, last weekend, of the CCTV footage of these youths just walking into the shop and uh grabbing you know as many vapes they wanted i think 500 pounds worth and just brazenly walking out with it without a care in the world um you know and the thing that i said was ended up being the main point the main article the main narrative and it and it shouldn't have been the it it should have been a story of how shopkeepers and small independent businesses um are not being supported by the local police service in in a sense of that You know, there's no punishment for crime, thus youths uh, feel like you get away with with anything, really. And that should have been the story, but it ended up um, being highlighted around myself, which was at first very um, anxiety-triggering because I was like, oh, here we go. (laughs) But um, it ended up luckily working in my favour, and obviously a lot of people agreed with it. And I haven't actually spoke to the business owner since the day after the article come out because they didn't want to be named personally or anything else like that. Um, So I'm not entirely sure sure what the thing is saying because they don't want to be named personally it's probably not right for me to do so you know. Okay no fair enough.
1: So in terms of what was it you said um, that got you on the front page of the news and and was that kind of just a reflex action or or, you know was it it a, a, a genuine feeling as a small business owner um you know looking on from the sidelines
2: yeah well obviously as you know I'll, I, I i called them little scroats and said that um anyone that that brazenly goes in and steals like that off, a, off of a person should should expect a beating um which i guess was quite um triggering to some people um and i think it's not becoming of a councillor it's not becoming of an elected official you know a lot of councillors you know. Have, have got to worry about literally everything they say Um, and I think you know if I was probably in a one of the national parties I probably would have got suspended for such a comment Um, but I don't think it was out of frustration to be honest with you Um, I mean natural frustration like I think a lot of the population feel in a sense of that people are just committing crimes nowadays so brazenly and the frustration we all share um, with that but I think it's got genuine sentiment and the fact of, you know, if somebody come into my restaurant and started to walk behind the bar and steal my drinks, you can be damn sure I'd be protecting it. There'd be no way I'd be sitting there and calling the police and hoping that I'm, you know, and that's not me pretending to be hard or or. that's just me protecting my business. You know, I I could Mm. end up getting yeah, I could end up going bad for me and taking the beating, you know, but I would do my damn best to try to protect my to my assets. And so, I, I you know, I don't I don't think it was frustration. I think it's a genuine thing. I think we should be able to essentially protect our businesses and our income. And I use the analogy in the comments of one of the sections where I was being criticized by somebody and saying you know if you're sitting at home one night and someone just opens your front door breaks in your front door walks into your family living room where you're all sitting watching TV and so brazenly goes i'm just going to take this TV and and walk out with it i'm pretty sure a lot of people would stop and walking out with that TV so it's the same thing it's just happened to a business mm. do do you think
0: people have a different impression um of shop theft versus versus household theft is do you think that's
2: I mean, potential. I mean, and I think depending on the company, there is a difference. I mean, I guess morally, there's no difference between stealing from a big conglomerate. to there is a a small business, you know, from a moral perspective, but from a realistic perspective, you know, a small business is dramatically affected more than a a big commercial. A big commercial will have it included within their costings and within their percentage profits. They'll have some form of allowance for, for this kind of behavior. They'll have insurances, things like that. But small businesses, you know, that 500 pounds that was stolen from that vape shop that's that will be a lot like he will have to sell a lot of product to make up mm-hmm. for profit like a lot and you know this person's a small business owner a small number of staff you know and they now have rent to pay bills to pay and now they've got to replace stock i think it affects them more and people forget that you know yes behind the business behind every business is is a human that's got kids parents aunties uncles brothers they've got debts they've got you know obligations mortgages they've got credit cards to pay off they're humans too so stealing from a small business is is, is in my opinion just like going into someone's house and sitting in their tv off the wall it's just it's just as serious
1: and i guess if we look at the you know a recent you know that in Cosham high street boots closed uh, after being in a position where effectively They couldn't display any of their medium to high value stock because you know people were just walking in and helping themselves and i guess whilst we look at boots as a major conglomerate and you know a very big player i guess for all of those people who relied on that shop to you know provide them a relatively low paid wage but it 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 paid them a living i guess you know that's that's the bigger picture that we don't see
2: completely there's humans behind this you know and it's and once again it's you know, and i'm not it, it, here's on the flip side i'm not gonna i'm not about to condone stealing but if it was for example bread and milk or a bottle of water they were stealing that's different they could be trying to feed their kids and not have enough money but when it's people just walking in stealing 500 quid of vapes, you know or something that's not a necessity to survive i think it's a whole different dynamic um and and that's where the problem comes, I think. You know, and as I say these particular youths are very well known in Portsmouth to a hell of a lot of people, and I think that's why also the article went so viral because a lot of people had people that knew them or or were victims of the same people, and I think that's that's what was pertinent about the article as well.
0: So I, I guess that kind of leads us nicely to as you said, the the news made it a front page story. Um. Do, do you think that they expected a different spot response to the to the the one that you you seen you've seen on social media
2: 100% the news love nothing more than to to dig at councillors wherever they can and create negative press stories and you know it, and and who can blame them i think when when it broke which was last sunday i think the article broke i think it was this time last sunday and i was up in the kitchen upstairs and one of our our members of staff in the kitchen, a young lad, said, "Yeah, why do they post these articles, negative articles about you?" And I said to him, I said, "Well, you got to realise that, you know, as part of everything I was saying, which a lot of people didn't see, was the fact I was saying, and the reason we got to do this because of underfunding with the police and blah blah blah." And I, I went into a whole narrative of of why, and, and as, as I explained to him, I said, "Yeah, can you imagine the article that says, local councillor supports reinforced police patrols it's it's a boring article whereas having a local councillor says little scrotes deserve a beating is going to make people click so i think you know they, they try and highlight the negative or the or the emotive aspect of it and i think they were expecting uh, as you say an alternative response i think they thought i was going to get hammered and to be fair I thought it was going to be very 50-50, um, but I know both of you guys followed it, and especially Ian, I know you followed it, and I think we saw three negative comments across every single share in the article, got something like one point something million clicks or views or whatever it was within in the period. So there was only three, three negative responses. So I, um, I definitely got away lightly on this one <laughs> because I sometimes do open my mouth without thinking.
0: Um or 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 um open the keyboard on your phone without um without without pausing perhaps. Yeah. But it um but I g I but I guess is is the 'cause the frustration that that people um feel about the invulnerability um that some of these thieves seem to have is that kind of what's coming Because it's it's not like it's not like kind of people don't their natural instinct or their first response isn't kind of like to lurch for mob rule or or you know basically trying to be the be the heavy person in the shop because that's not the responsibility of, of of the of the staff either that's to put themselves at risk but it's are they doing that out of just just desperation because they don't see something else happening do you, do you oh think, i mean is I've, that, I've, is that the frustration yeah, the frustration
2: is coming fundamentally, from fundamentally yes of course i mean you know <sighs> So in my in my restaurant in Knoll Village, I used to have a restaurant in Knoll Village, as you will know, um, and we were vandalised. We had the windows smashed or something stolen five times in a row and not a single police officer attended. Not one um, for every single time. We found blood. We found, you know, all sorts of bits and pieces. They left something behind. Um, And we had to basically go and do our own research and put a reward out and track them all down and use the camera footage. And we had to do all the work, basically. And once we had done all the work and we had found the people and, you know, and and we had confronted the parents and everything else like that, at that point, the police were like, oh, we can get involved now. We, you know, uh, uh, and... We had to be kind of our own investigative, you know, investigators to, to figure out our own the own crime. It was it was ridiculous, and I think even I was getting to a point where I I felt becoming a bit vigilante-ish because like what other result was there? You, you know, they've smashed my windows two three times. They've graffitied my windows. They've come in and smashed by the bottles and taken the bottles out, and no one's listening. No one's doing anything. No one's stopping it happening. What other course of action do I possibly have? um you know and i think that's 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 how a lot of people are feeling nowadays i mean look at look at hilsey you know hilsey went through a rife amount of crime last year mainly from youths and you had private citizens um you know basically starting up a local security group you know um there was there was a local guy that you probably know that owns a CCTV company who who got body cams and who got high vises and um you know gave them to local volunteers and people and people had to start patrolling the streets and and you know it's but that's what it's kind of come to is it right absolutely not but is it necessary yeah right now it is
1: so if we look at it uh, george this this kind of this should we say aggressive shoplifting you know with no, absolutely no regard for fear of being caught or being prosecuted do you, do you see that as a failing of the police the judiciary or or something something else
2: well i think first of all the, the the case with the vapes is an ongoing investigation so obviously we've always got to be a little bit careful about what we say and so on and so forth um you know i, I have I have been made aware that the individuals that were responsible have been um, spoken to by the police. Um, I don't know much more, but I do know that they've been spoken to by police um, and it's currently an investigation. So I think yeah, we'll bypass yeah. that one just for our own yeah. media safety. However, you know, if you're looking at more of a more generalistic term, yeah, 100 percent, I think. If you look at 15 years ago I used to own um I used to I don't know if you guys remember but I used to own a milkshake shop on Cosham High Street called Shake and Ice. Um and not a lot of people um knew that was me but th- that was and we used to have, and It was only there for about 6 months it was a pop up building we had and we just used it for 6 months and off we went. And one day we had all of our sweets stolen and within an hour we had um Forensic scientists there, police there, taking fingerprints, swabs for £200 of the sweets. That's what it was like 10 years ago. Now you have a burglary and no one attends. So is it a failure of the police? I would say absolutely not. I've worked very closely recently with the um, local police force in Portsmouth, um, especially in the Pools Grove, Cosham, Drayton, Hilsey and Copner area. Um, I've sat in meetings with the local police recently and they've been nothing short of fantastic and responsive. However, they can only be responsive and fantastic to their limits of the hours in the day. You know, we always have a limits of the hours in the day, and they always have a limit of resources and a limit of people. And with the massive police cuts and the underfunding of the police service, um, that's where the system is failing. I mean, did you? The judicial system is also not fantastic because there's not harsher punishments for people that are under, you know, under the age of eighteen. And I think there needs to be some reform in that because they feel like they can get away with anything. So I think it's a two-pronged issue. I think you have a, a weak judicial system in relation to um, in relation to a punishment for said crime of use, whilst also having a massive underfunding from the police service in the last decade, which has resulted in them having to prioritise things. And you know, you yourself guys, you know, it's you now would you rather police prioritize a or the mirror has been taken other than to prioritize you want attempted murder so they can only do what they can with the resources they have
1: yeah no and i think that's a fair point george i guess the, the the consideration is is whether we have a new breed of of kind of shoplifters and and whether they've evolved over time where you know, as you say, the, the, it's the I guess it's the brazenness that, you know, yeah. that they, they are known to the police. The police know it's them. They don't particularly make a decent job of hiding their faces on CCTV, um, you know. And, and there's an element of with the police, as you say, often, you know, even when you did the legwork for them, you know, they find an individual. They've got all the evidence. That person ends up you know going to court and you know th- those it, it feels that there are you know there are a small hardcore of people who will just keep doing this in perpetuity. Well absolutely
2: and I think you know I mean it'd be different for me because I'm currently a councillor but if I was a normal resident I mean because I'm a councillor they're plastering me all over the front page of the news of course but if I was a normal resident or say for example one of my relatives walked into co tonight took a packing of sweets off the shelves and walked out with it and got caught nothing would happen nothing would happen <laughs> they would get a slap yeah. on the wrist or a caution or a, they, nothing would happen no, and that and that's and i think that's the thing from the youths not only the, do they know that one nothing will happen but also the fact that that even if they do get caught there's no real retaliation for that crime so why not know, yeah, from their perspective why not well they've got to lose you know they don't see it in the lights of adults where we where we learn certain things and understand, yeah, become more conscious, but it comes to the nature versus nurture debate, doesn't it? Then, but you, you, there's, if there's no punishment, what, why wouldn't they?
1: no, no I, I, yeah, and I guess that's a whole societal framework question. So I guess the final question is the political one, George, which is that, um, are you going to have to give yourself a, a stern talking to and, Threaten to remove the non-existent whip from yourself
2: well thank god i'm the leader of my own party eh um (laughs) but um you know i think the answer is no i mean we 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 all say things in our group and so uh, sometimes you're going to say the wrong thing um or you're going to say the wrong thing at the wrong time or so on and so forth and and every now and then the media are going to spin something they did it to my father a couple of months ago where they picked up one line from like this whole three four minute thing he had and spun it you know and it, it just happens with the media um i think as long as nobody is actively I'm not sitting there with a banner saying everybody beat up kids. You know, that's not what I'm saying. If I was saying that I should no longer be a counsellor. You know, that's not what, that's not what the narrative of the story is. I think am I getting a telling off? My dad certainly called me and said, if I did this, you'd be telling me, you know, give me a right item right now, you know? And, um, you know, a few of us counsellors were a bit worried about what the response would be, but within an hour, you know, the, within an hour I could breathe again, you know? And I think, you do have to put a public opinion, you're your account but the public that put you in that position. You know, people often say oh, the court opinions are relevant, but it is completely re- in in the world of because the public are your boss. So, as I say, this time I got away with it, and it went for me rather than against me. But knowing me, I will, um, knowing me, I will probably say something in the future once again to get me into trouble and i will have to tell myself off because if you catch me at 1am after i've had a busy day i I kind of become a keyboard warrior sometimes
1: it 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 would never happen to me george but obviously yourself and simon are a risk aren't they so um
2: indeed 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 are you guys looking forward to the elections coming up anyway
1: uh the the hurly-burly of may yes definitely and um yeah no we are we obviously we will we will start within the next probably five six weeks, starting trying to line up hustings um, for that sort of mad run all through March and April. And um, I don't know whether Simon's quite recovered from broadcasting live from the count last year, but um, but uh, I, I think he could be persuaded to do it again. What do you think, Simon? Um,
0: yeah, I'm I'm certainly kind of um, building building myself up to it. Um, but it was it, well. It, it was certainly worth it. It was certainly um, a great experience, and um, yeah, I, I, I look forward to it again. But who knows? It's all to, all to play for, and, and you know, there's obviously national stuff that that might um, that might steal some of the local thunder. But even so, we've got the locals to look forward to at the end of at the end of March, as as everyone starts being obvious about who their candidates are before the close of nominations, and and then it all starts uh, coming to coming to the fore. Yeah, well. We we look forward to it, and we'll have our hustings again. So we'll 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 see what happens, and um, uh, and we'll go wherever the wherever the the, the political die land.
2: <laughs> well, obviously, as always, you can count me in. So I'll I'll do the hustings, Thank obviously. You. So um, Brilliant. I shall be there. I shall be there.
0: It's fantastic. Brilliant. Well, we we look forward we look forward to that. It'll be great to have another Paul's Grove hustings. Um, so thanks very much, George. No
1: worries. We'll Thanks, guys. You, we'll let you go and uh, get back to the stoves. So uh, Indeed. No, thank you for giving up a junkier evening, George. Thank
2: you, guys. Yes. See you
0: later. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Okay. So... Um, okay. <laughs> Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Or should we just go move quickly on?
1: No, I think there's a... You know, I think for me, it, it's that balance, isn't it? And again, i mused on it in terms of well your local councillor is is there to you know potentially i mean i know this wasn't in council or anything but i would suggest from the responses that george got the um in terms of representing the views of the quote unquote the people um that he represents then you know there is that element of yeah i don't think you could um i don't think you could say he was he was um he was out on a limb
0: and but but that's the thing i think rather than it speaking to an advocation for vigilantism it's it's speaking to the underlying frustration that lots of residents feel um and that business owners feel especially small business owners with every everything that they're struggling with at the moment um that they're just yeah. not getting they're just not getting the help and then the odds are, are completely stacked against them. So you can kind of see that frustration. Yeah. And you you saw yeah. that come out when we'd talked previously about the um with the deputy police and crime commissioner and when we'd um when we spoke about the um the local event with the with the police and crime Committee, the Hampshire yep. Island White Police and Crime Commissioner. Those those sorts of things it's that that public frustration of just feeling that that, that the help isn't there when they when they need it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah,
1: no, and I and I posted a thread on another political forum about two three months ago where I, I was reading the evening news and it was somebody who had been convicted of twelve I think 12, 13 counts of of shoplifting, some of them aggravated, where they threatened the staff, um, all caught on CCTV, um, and I I I did the this is an old story, this is an old story, I've seen this 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 is an old story and I just googled the individual's name and shoplifting and found the news article of being convicted for 10 counts in 2022 and eight counts in 2021 and 20 counts in 2019 and 10 counts in 2018 and I thought I just looked at it and thought well this this person for whatever reason is never going to stop doing this And just in a very, and these were the ones where they had been to court and the person had been convicted. And, you know, over a five-year period, they had been convicted of more than 50 offences. And I I think they were, you know, there were fines and there were suspended sentences and there were community service orders. and, And finally, I think they were sent to prison for 10 weeks, which means they'll be out in five. Yeah, and it, it would take a smart person. It wouldn't be a smart person who would then bet against them not continuing that behaviour um, when they come out. And I guess that's where the that's where the fru- societal frustration comes through of of this person will just continue to walk in with a large duffel bag, start filling it with alcohol, tell the staff to f off, or he's going to shank them. And walk out again, and he'll do that repeatedly until he ends up back in court.
0: Well, I guess there's with, with with the justice system, you've you've got to kind of balance two things, haven't you? At the end of the day, you've you, the best thing forever is is for someone not to actually commit any crimes in the first place. But yeah. If they do, is to stop them, is to basically make sure that they they don't commit any more. So does you know? And it's a wider question that we could probably spend an entire evening discussing mm. of. What's the best way to do that, and then for the people that just are going through a revolving door of they just can't crack this of uh, yeah. of, of kind of breaking the, the, this habit of of criminal behavior, how do you protect society from them and um, you know what's I, I, the what's the, what's the most effective way to do that and I guess that must be and this is something that um the deputy police and crime commissioner um spoke of when he was on the show is that frustration that the you know the the, the the police feel of they know who these people are
1: oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 no, it, yeah. it is that element of it's not a surprise, is it? it, it no. it's, it's that oh, it's, element. Oh, it's of, that
0: person. Oh, it's them again. So it's, yeah, yeah it, um, yeah. Mm, anywho.
1: Well, if we speak then of matters judicial, um, on, yes. to, the, on to the fun and games this week, in uh, in parliament with the rwanda bill now i know we've covered this in in uh, some depth before on on other shows so just a a recap for anyone i guess who's lived under a stone and doesn't sort of know what the rwanda bill is um or or, or kind of the, the whole rwanda plan more than a bill so the government has for a number of years now um been trying to get a an arrangement off the ground where for some people who are arriving in small boats via people traffickers who land on the shores of the UK rather than processing their asylum application they are the intention is to send them off to Rwanda where their application will be processed and even if it's found positive um, they are given asylum but in Rwanda or their choice of other country but the choice on the table is not the uk so effectively if they come in via a small boat um they, they are processed but they can't come back now it, it's a it's a pro it's one of these policies which is has got a lot of kind of it has been a lot of focus on it because even the most ambitious numbers that the government have sort of quoted would see The numbers being in hundreds rather than thousands, and just to give an idea of scale, in 2022 there were just over 45,000 people, according to the Home Office, who came in via that route. It was when just under 25,000 last year, which obviously, you know, Rishi is is waving his little stop the boats flag and is is claiming that to be a a massive moral victory. So there's only ever going to be a it's another it's it's kind of mooted by its proponents as being a deterrent. And if people know they'll end up in Rwanda, they won't come here, you know, they won't risk it. But then, of course, it was ruled as unlawful by the Supreme Court because Rwanda is in a safe country, according to the Supreme Court. Is that a fair synopsis so far, Simon, or did you want to yeah no,
0: that, that, well that that i mean as a bridge version yeah i mean and and then the government plan was to get around that by declaring rwanda a, a safe country is that right
1: yeah that is that is kind of the plan so um so the the uh, and again i i you know, people may not believe that we do research on for this show, but I say, no, no, no. So I, I read this, uh, this afternoon uh, elements and extracts from the Rwanda bill. And effectively, what the bill that was talked about this week going through Parliament was a effectively a legal construct that said, no, no, Rwanda is safe because... And effectively, what it looked to do was set aside a number of... Kind of international treaties and some of the rulings of the European Court for Human Rights um, to say uh, effectively to say, well, even if they say that Rwanda isn't safe, we in the UK believe it's safe. And so under UK law that trumps the, uh, you know, any international or outside influence. And uh, so we can crack on sending people to Rwanda. So that was the that was the premise of the bill, but uh, and and little Rishi there was very keen to get that pushed through, but unfortunately he's he he was kind of attacked by what looked like it was going to get a bit bumpy for for him, um, you know, with four different groups uh, coming sort of looking to organise a rebellion. So you know, there, there's the um, there is um the, the first the, group is this
0: where the group names get steadily more ridiculous the more the, as you go further down the list
1: i really it could do i mean there there is the there is you know if we start off with with a group that call themselves the new conservatives could oh, and <laughs> okay well and and yeah i guess the new conservatives could be could be relabeled as the really rather uneasy conservatives Um, and so these are fundamentally the the group in 2019 who were um who were elected in the red wall seats and looking at the opinion polls at the moment i think it would be fair to say that they don't feel entirely safe um that they're going to get home over the next um when the next election comes so obviously their position is is you know they believe that they they were elected fundamentally on brexit based issues so there, there was a, a fair smattering of them who were um you know who were going to sort of lead this rebellion and there were a couple of sort of fairly high profile resignations i'm just trying to remember the chap's name lee anderson was probably the most high profile a deputy leader of the conservative party in just- another chap. Brendan yeah. Clark Smith.
0: Yeah, didn't also. they lose two deputies because they were going to support yes. one of the amendments that supposedly were going to make the bill tougher and the government's position was we can't make it any tougher because if it does, it will basically, it won't work. International, The international courts will shoot it down and then Rwanda have also said that we're not going to break international law for you guys, yeah. so we'll have nowhere yeah. to send people even if they actually finally manage to get a plane right. to take off.
1: And and that's where it becomes because you've got this new conservative group who who obviously had had their piece. You've got the um you've got the hard line Brexiteers who are still chuntering that things weren't Brexity enough. So Bill Cash himself wrote one of the uh, one of the amendments. Then then you've got the older you've got the people for whom it is alleged that um, they are preparing their leadership challenge either before or after the next election. And uh, our local, one of our, I was going to use the word local heroes, which might raise an eyebrow too, but uh, Ferrum's very own Suella Braverman was in that camp. And then the final group who were basically having a big old snipe at Rishi and his plan were the Friends of Boris Johnson, which sounds like a lovely woodland group that meet and go on rambles, but they're not that at all. Um, so, so these sort of four the, the, came together. They're and not an offshoot of the National Trust, then. They're sort of like the National Trust, um, but but perhaps I think it's probably fair to say more on the right of politics than the National Trust. I don't think the uh, okay, <laughs> it would be fair to categorise the National Trust as a political organisation. But yeah, so they, as you say, they were writing these amendments, which were, you know, an awful lot of chest thumping and flag waving and well we just go you just disregard everything that the hrc has to, to to you know go with and on the tuesday night things looked a bit iffy for rishi because I, there were 61 mps who who voted for these amendments now naturally the 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 majority of the party and all of the opposition were never going to support a uh, I, pick a word for such amendments, and, and it fell with you know, wrecking amendments. To, what, what did you opt for?
0: Well, I mean, I don't th- suppose they actually are, but there's a type of a, a, there's a strategy of, of adding a wrecking amendment that uh, basically seeks to make the bill so um so unpalatable that it that it actually won't go through because it it just adds something to it but but i guess that's not their motivation is it i do i do find there's a little irony in the fact that there were so many different groups wanting to say we don't know exactly what we want but we do know what we don't want and it's this but they couldn't agree on what they did want so they all wanted different things and therefore what they wanted didn't happen
1: Mm, yeah, there's a. Isn't, when's that recently a, happened oh, in, that, in ooh, UK politics? An, I can't think. Is that an is that an echo? Is that an echo of the past? <laughs> Are we going to rip in the space time continuum? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, it all looked a bit iffy for for Rishi. Iffy for Rishi. On, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> on Tuesday night, and then kind of everything went away on Wednesday. Mm. So, of that original sixty-one, only eleven kind of stood you know in the position of voting against it now this is where for, for those that don't follow you know politics too too madly obviously all the opposition parties voted against the amendment and then all the opposition parties pretty much voted against the bill so they all rushed over to the to the no side and they were joined by 11 conservatives and there were a there were there were some abstentions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you you noted that uh, former Prime Minister Theresa May. Yeah, so there were sat with her arms folded.
0: Yes, yeah, seventeen Conservative um, Conservative MPs abstained, um, along with five members of the DUP, five independents, um, uh, three Labour, one SNP, the seven Sinn Fein members which never uh, take their seats in, in Parliament anyway, and one. Um, mp from abs alba um so um yeah basically oh, the ones wow. that actually voted um yeah the ones actually kind of voting well were not voting either for or against the ones that basically just sat on their hands um yeah quite interesting that theresa may was 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 in that camp but the ones voting against it because their amendments didn't get passed were the were some of the I don't know. Should we say the heroes of Brexit or the heroes of the um of the? I want this particular type of this particular flavor of things. Yeah, and the, and, the, and, and the, and I, the, the names that aren't a surprise, I think, to to anybody.
1: No, and I think some of it is that is that posturing thing. um mm. Because obviously, you know, if you look at the polls at the moment, you know, there, there is an element of you know, Labour has a significant lead. There is a, a you know. The, the remnants of UKIP have sort of reformed into Reform UK. I didn't do that deliberately, but it's it's kind of worked. Um, and, it, you know, well, well they're, they're, they are, you know, a lot of that sort of hardline um, Brexiteer on steroid messaging sort of sits, sits with them. So in the end, it was sort of 320 to 276. So it, it, it got across the line quite comfortably. Um, But as with all things political, it it is now, it's not a done deal as it's off to the Lords, you know. And and Rishi was there doing the, you know, uh, making lots of positive noises and encouraging the Lords to do the right thing. And uh, reading round, there is a fairly, you know, most political commentators are suggesting that the Lords won't, won't kill it. But there is a fair school of thought that says they're liable to propose amendments, which means that it will go back to the Commons. And most think that the amendments will probably look to if I use the phrase "water down, simon i'm 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 trying to sort of view this of, from a perspective of the yep. the hardliners within mm-hmm. the Conservative Party. So there's an element of, for 11 and some abstainers, it wasn't hardline enough. For 61, they were happy to make a noise about it not being hardline enough. The question, I guess, is if a watered-down version comes back, A, will those hardliners then vote against it? Will they cross the divide? Or B, will it just take too much time? That it doesn't get on the statute books before October the twenty sixth, or whatever date it was that I've decided the general election's happening.
0: It, it's in. It's entirely possible, yes, that the Lords, as you say, water it down to the point that the the, the problem is, is that you've got and give and give up on the kind of the left or the right kind of definition. Mm. You, you've for some, it, it's a, the sunak's trying to find the goldilocks rwanda bill isn't he, he He's certainly not too, is. He's too cold for some and too hot for others and he's trying to find the, the the rwanda bill that's just right um that everyone can agree on and quote unquote to use to take my um analogy to the most distasteful level that it's that it's yummy and can and can be um and can be consumed so that that's the problem that he's got and that problem isn't going to get any easier um I think the PM's making and and the government are making lots of noise about um, it's the it's the Labour Party's fault for uh, basically not not um, for basically not supporting it. But it, it's really because the government can't actually get their own party to agree on on what it should be. But they, they still they still got a substantial number of uh, majority, haven't they? So I guess there's a there's a majority yeah. of 44. So they've got some numbers to play with, and it's still to get through. It's just the 64 million dollar question is just how much watering down to use to use your metaphor does, mm. does the lords um engage in and where does the government go from there
1: yeah and i think there is a there is a piece where uh, and you know it's a very contentious bill and i think you know the whole you know i i've never been a the greatest fan of it uh, i i I'm, I'm sort of okay with the idea of a deterrent but when the total cost of it is looking that it's going to run to £400 million. And for every asylum seeker that ends up in Rwanda, it'll cost £63,000 more than processing them in the UK. That doesn't look like great value to me. But again, having done my research today, the whole, the fact that the whole asylum system currently costs £4 billion a year, Including eight million pounds a day on hotels, um, it's an element of. If four hundred million over five years works, then I guess that's a bit of a bargain if it if it brings down the, you know, the 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 twenty billion cost over five years. But it it's an element of, I guess, where I've always thought, even if I try and look at this in a very cold, hard way, somebody who is prepared to Pay a person smuggler to get them across the channel in a small boat, knowing that at that point their asylum application be it valid or not, does not have a hundred percent chance of being approved they they're, they're gambling aren't they and but so there's an element of if you're if there's twenty five thousand coming across and only let's pick a number 500 are going to end up in rwanda then if you look at all the risks and all the you know all, all the 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 those odds know, don't that's look even, like a deterrent do those are od- those odds those odds aren't working for me if i've met you know if i have come you know if i have trekked all across europe from syria and i've done the whole people smuggling thing going oh well your odds your chances are there's now a I don't know, a 2% chance that you might end up in Rwanda, well, I'll roll the dice, I think. And and that's the thing for me is
0: that it's... For me, it's it's... Rwanda can't both be a deterrent and a safe place to send people. Yep. And it's all well and good using phrases like illegal migration. But if you don't have legal migration... Then you are actually just—I mean, it's how did that work out for prohibition um, in in the states? You you just basically give give that trade to other people, and as you say, the chances of someone actually being caught and therefore and and then them even being um, sent sent to Rwanda um, are so low. That it that it doesn't work as a it, it doesn't work as a deterrent. So both on a logistical sense, on a practical sense, and a financial sense, and a human in a humanity sense, I, I think it's a bonkers idea. But it seems to be a we're going to do this thing because it's a three-word so slogan that we 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 kind of really like, um, and all of this shouting and hammering of tables in Westminster, as you say may just come to now because it just won't happen before the next general election.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think there is an element of, you know, it, it's a complex process, isn't it? And I think the difficulty, and again, the difficulty the Conservatives have at the moment is that, as you say, Rishi's trying to take this this, this kind of mediating line, but at the same time, you know, he's got Reform UK on on the extreme edge, banging the table and appealing to to a section of the electorate that that you know you know effectively think we should build a wall do you know what i mean it's that element of yeah. you know from a political perspective you know that those are not voters that are gonna gonna look to Sakia Starmer or even your beloved liberal democrats in the next election so they're either voting conservative or they're voting reform and um yeah, she needs every vote he can get at the moment. So it, yeah, well, I, we're even it, within his own,
0: we even within his own party. But let's move. Well, exactly that.
1: Exactly <laughs> that. Which brings us on to our final topic. What have you got for us, Simon? So
0: talking of gaining votes. So up until the sixteenth of January, um, mm. it was the case that if you left the UK, if you migrated, so if you emigrated from the UK, that you lost your right to vote in UK general elections and referendums. God, hope we don't have any more. Um, for after 15 years of leaving the country um and there's been it
1: hmm? seems very fair um well
0: no. yeah yeah there's a there, there, there's um some arguing points around that so basically there's been a compa- campaign going on for for decades uh with um with with some um a, a really key principal principal figures like um world war ii veteran harry schindler who'd Moved to Italy some 40 years ago, and sadly passed away in 2023 before uh, before this this policy change came in came into effect. But essentially, now what is the case is that if you if you leave the UK, um, you basically retain your right to vote um, in UK general election and referenda for life. Um, mm-hmm. And instead of previously you needed to um, you needed to register to vote every year, now you only need to register to vote every three years. Um, and you register at whichever local council, local authority that you were, um, you resided under when you were in the UK. Um, and um, the council will also give you a reminder in the last four months of your three-year period to tell you that your your right to vote is is just about to expire. Um, and this even applies to this um, to people that were that when they left the UK they weren't old enough to vote. Um, hey? So. Yes. So if you leave the, if you, if when your family um, emigrates to, um, you know, for example, Australia, um, you know, if you're 12, when you, when you become legally old enough to vote in the UK, you're able to register to vote and vote in UK general elections and referendum. So, (laughs) so this applies to people, whether they are people that are just happen to be working for long periods of time abroad, and they intend to return to the UK, but also to people that are not intending to return to the uk except for you know visitation to family etc possibly so um and also by now being on the electoral roll this means that people that currently aren't allowed to personally donate to political parties in the uk that don't pay any tax in the uk don't reside in the uk will now be able to make donations to political parties um that couldn't possibly be anything to do with it rather than the votes i'm not sure
1: well, it it all seems a bit peculiar to me, Simon. I find this I find this all rather bizarre because, well, I, I find many things with the sold of whole expat community quite bizarre. There is a political forum we're both aware of where I learned only recently that one of the most ardent Brexiteers on there, who is very vocal about the dreadfulness of of the EU and how they've been campaigning since the early seventies. Um, A no, Paddy. It's not you. I know that you. you, know, you they live in Spain. Well, and, and I'm like, and hey,
0: they make you know they make their choices. Obviously, that means that since since leaving the EU, they've would had to apply for residency um to remain in remain in Spain. Oh, sorry. The irony of remain in Spain. Yeah. Um, yep. Um, because otherwise, they're only able to live there for ninety days at a time. If that, if memory serves. Something so, like um, so I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's kind of like a side. But for, but for me, I, I get there's a the the danger of a disenfranchisement of um, of people that are living outside the UK, but possibly at some uh, are inevitably likely to return to the UK at some point for work reasons. They might be uh, living living abroad um and are likely to return but someone that has decided to spend the rest of their life has left the UK yeah I d- I don't get what they're not paying taxes here they're not affected nope. by political decisions that are made here um or in your example they caused you know they were part of the political sorry they were part of the political decision that that has affected them but they made that choice they obviously knew yep. what they were they obviously knew what they were voting for um so to me I I I actually think that this is this is not the right policy. Interestingly, the, the Labour Party were were not in favour of of this and wanted to retain basically the, the fifteen year mark. So um yeah. I mean other countries seem well, to have things about um, people that are working abroad from their country still have the ability to vote. And and um but I don't know how long that goes on. And and from a practicality point of view, because we don't have digital voting. Anybody that is abroad can either vote by post, and the dangers will be that by the time the postal ballot gets to them and they fill it in and return it, it's going to miss the voting window, Um, or they have a proxy vote. And here's the thing. on On the government website, it says the three ways to make sure that you can vote in the election if you're no longer a UK resident but entitled to vote, you can either have a postal vote or have a proxy vote, so get someone else that still lives here to vote on your behalf. Or get this, come back to the UK and vote and go home again. Well, it's, it's, a, I mean, okay, it's um, a thing,
1: it's a, but. <laughs> a, yeah, I mean, it's a day out, isn't it? I mean, it's a, you know, I, 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 I do it because I have to, but I'm I'm slightly peeved at having to walk down to the local church hall to I, place my just, ex. I'm not sure if I had to fly halfway across the world. I'd um you know well, again all, all I'm are, all for the democratic process, but I'm not sure yeah, I'd bother. All,
0: all of these media moguls with their private jets suddenly swooning. <laughs> well,
1: uh, yeah, yeah sweeping I, and back I into think. The country. And and this is one of those ones, Simon, where you you kind of look for what's behind the story, don't you? Because. You know, again, I, I, and I look at it, and it's like, oh, well, your local council now has to set up a database and keep yeah. the database up to date, and they have to send you the reminder, and yeah, and then you know, mail
0: you in Australia or Spain or wherever you yeah, might
1: be. You know, and and even if it's you know, if it's an automated, even if it's an automated email, it it's just somebody's got to do something with it, and it it's, it's that element. To enable somebody who has decided to naff off and live elsewhere, this is one where I am, and I I got your little cynical eyebrow raised there. In terms of is this about? But I yeah, I I guess there's an element of. Usually, the people that that have got that much money are smart enough to find ways to move their money into the country. And and, I mean, well,
0: I mean, come well. I mean, you know, there'll there'll be. I'm sure there'll be banks, not Aaron banks. Um, no. That um that understand the the mechanisms for that. Um, I I did a I did a rough poll on Portsmouth Politics Facebook group. Um, and by and large, the result was um so far has been um. Basically, not in favour of of the policy. So basically, that it should have stayed as it was. Yeah. Um. So there was an interesting little little um, conversation. And just say that the government's own figures say that that means that the eligible voters, so non UK resident eligible voters, will go from somewhere around one million to somewhere around um, three point five million.
1: Yeah, and but it's one of those things which is. Uh... Which is, uh, and again, I'll have to ask him. My my brother emigrated to the US 20 odd years ago. So he he can, uh, probably he can now cast his vote in, back in our hometown of Gosport. Uh, Although I wonder whether that still applies because he no longer has dual citizenship and is um, an American citizen. He
0: will so, yeah, if he if he was if he was eligible to vote in the UK He was was was, he was was born in the UK. So whether he was born in um Great Britain or Northern Ireland, um, will be entitled to register to vote now. Um and to be able to vote in UK general elections from the constituency of Gosport. Or what it, is it, Gosport and Fareham now under the boundary review, I think. I'm not sure. What? Well, no, it's fair right. and No, No, I
1: think it's just gospel, isn't it? It is. Who just knows? Gospel, I think. So, just yeah, moving well, my I'll lines. I'll have to. Um, I will have to uh, get in contact with him and see whether he, he, uh, he wishes to exercise his democratic right. I'm sure he's going to tell me to get stuffed. But um, but still, what a very strange policy. So, right, I, 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 three, a, a smorgasbord of topics adequately covered. And so you've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Ian Tiny-Morris.
0: And I've been Simon Sansbury. Our guest, of course, was Councillor George Madrick. Uh, Please do join us uh, next time, 6.27, uh, for our next show. Uh, Please don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, um, send cookies, tea, um, whatever you like. Mm. Um, That will be greatly appreciated. But uh, see you next week at 6.27 in the usual place. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa. Play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast.
2: Getting Pompey Politics Podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, stop. See?
0: It's easy.